Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Jameson, we got Ty, and we got y'all. We are live yet again to talk about OU's absolute stomping of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Well, if you're looking at the box score, it was a stomping. Overall, pretty decisive beatdown of what was the best team in the Big 12 prior to this. Jameson, um, we talked about this a little bit in our Pick'em show. Uh, we both were very confident OU would have a very good game. Did, did OU satisfy that for you? They did exactly what I said could happen, where I said it could get ugly. If we got out to a hot, hot start and we could send the pass rush on that offensive line, it's ball game. And that's what we did. And we had a horrible second and third quarter, and we still managed to stomp them into the ground. That shows you how significantly – like we're, we have a really good defensive team. Whenever we come out hot in the first quarter, and in the past we've gotten conservative with our play calling and not done as well in the second and third, that's when the other teams have came back in the past. Our defense did not let that happen. We weren't playing a scrub team. So this is something really to bat an eye at. This is something really good. Yeah, it, it absolutely is something to be proud about. Beating Oklahoma State is a is a solid deal. Ty, I know you definitely thought uh, highly of the Cowboys coming into this. Uh, so how impressed are you about the uh, Sooners getting a very solid win here? Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. We were, uh, you know, I was I was really high on them. There there had been mounting evidence not to be, um, but yeah, it was it was really impressive and hopefully. Uh, this speaks more to just the quality of team that OU has evolved into uh, than maybe OSU being a, a paper tiger the whole time. Yeah, I wouldn't say OSU is a paper tiger. I think OU did what they needed to do early to neutralize Oklahoma State, you know, really getting at Spencer Sanders early. Um, you, you, you never want to hurt a guy. But he was getting pounded early in that first quarter. Obviously, had to come out of the game. Didn't return until the fourth. Um, so you, you can't really say Sanders was rattled because I mean he he physically could not play. Uh, but in general, OU caused so much havoc in that backfield, uh, made it really hard for OSU's offense to uh, really do anything. Uh, I, I believe if you look at their first down stats, they weren't doing anything unless we kind of gave it to them, <clears throat> Buki. But um, before we'll, we'll get into the defense, let's just start out hot with the offense here. So let's usually we wait till the end to do, to give out our game ball, but 
Um, I think we should just go ahead and have a debate right now. Who gets the game ball? Is it Spencer Radler or is it uh, Ramondre Stevenson? So uh, is it neither Jameson? Who is it, Jameson? Who gets the offensive it's, game ball? <laughs> I, I, me, me personally, I'm, Ramondre had a good game, but they keyed on him early. And there was a lot of chunk plays at the end of the game where he got his yardage and makes himself look good in the in the box sheet. Spencer Rattler had a really good game. He had one bad throw that it could have been interception, but the guy to get the game ball to is Mikey Henderson. I'll, I'll, I'll sit on that one. That dude, the way he was having the cross routes, he he had a big game, you know, with Stogner being out. Um, and he's a true freshman. He came in to where I'm going to be a role on this team. I can play running back. I can play halfback. I can do whatever you need me to do. And I think he's the game ball recipient. It doesn't have to be the guy who was the best in the box score. You know, it, this guy was efficient every single time he touched the ball. Every single time he touched the ball, there was something good. So that's why I'm giving it to Mikey. Yeah, and I definitely did have Mikey uh, circled for a feature, you know, talking about him because he was excellent, not just, you know, obviously running the football, but um, OU's passing attack coming mostly out of the backfield. You know, you saw Stevenson have a lot of receiving yards as well as Henderson. Um, Ty, do you agree with that? Um, what, what, do you think Henderson deserves this kind of surprise, you know, dark horse MVP or uh, anyone else? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree. I, I mean, Jameson's right. We've been very open historically here on the, the Schooner pod to to be kind of unconventional with our, our game balls. And it's like Jameson said, you know, the, the box score does, it almost never tells the, uh, the true story, but I'm, I'm going to go pretty conventional. I'm going to go with Stevenson. Um, you know, Spencer was, was great, but, um, can always, can always continue to improve. I, Stevenson really, I think for me, cause this was a, a team that I thought he would kind of, you know, at least skip a beat with, and he absolutely didn't. So. Yeah, that's really the thing about Stevenson. 144 yards just flat out speak for themselves. Um, sorry, 141 yards speak for themselves. Granted, it was on 26 carries. The guy was a beast. Henderson, though, I, I think absolutely was the X factor. 20 yards uh, rushing, but his impact was truly through the receiving game with 61 yards on three receptions. The man made it when it the man made it happen when it counted. Um. I got to go with Spencer Rattler, though. I, I think he did an excellent job as the maestro of the offense, really kept things together, uh, showed a poise that we've wanted to see all season. And, you know, I, he's gotten better, but he could do it against Kansas. He could do it against Texas Tech. But doing it against an Oklahoma State defense that is as solid as it is, that's pretty great. Um, let's talk a little bit more about our receivers and uh, particularly – we, we, a theme we've noticed throughout the season has been the wideouts being pretty balanced. You know, wow. no one really having a big game. That continued here. Our leading receiver is Marvin Mims with 65 yards, only three receptions. Uh, what, what do we take from that? Do you, do you like the balance, Jameson, or are you um, – I don't know. Are you, are you kind of put off by it? I mean, if you read off Spencer Rattler's stats where he had four touchdowns, zero interceptions for – yards there's nothing to be mad about when it comes down to the wide receivers you could see that 
Spencer did feel a slight bit uncomfortable taking away his go-to guy in Stogner. We can all say, you know, Mims is like our highest rated receiver on the team and he makes all the spark plays, but you know, Stogner is Rattler's guy. And you can definitely tell that there was kind of like uh, a little bit of indecisiveness when it came down to Spencer in that fact, but he played stellar. Um, he got the ball to Theo Weiss, got his first touchdown of the season. Then his second touchdown in the same game, that was great. Nobody on the offense had more than three catches. And, you know, the one thing that I don't want to forget about making a reference here is that Marvin Mims catch um, in the first quarter was beautiful. That was a beautiful catch. Beautiful throw, too. That back shoulder, you know, just incredible pass. But, you know, the effort to meet the the ball there and really get that, incredible. Incredible from Mims. Uh, That guy is going to be playing on Sunday someday. Uh, So, Ty, just – I kind of want to want to talk about how much of the offense has been kind of being played out of the backfield. So not only did we see Ramondre Stevenson carry the ball uh, 26 times, which is quite a few times for an OU running back in the past couple of years, but we saw uh, both him and Henderson top three in, um, in, in receiving yards this game. Mm-hmm. How do you, uh, I, I, what am I trying to say? How are you liking how OU is playing instead of, you know, really opening it up out there to the receivers versus, you know, letting the running backs and the H backs really eat here? Yeah. So it's, um, I feel like that could be maybe kind of a, a complex answer uh, that, you know, Lincoln Riley might be the only one that they can answer that. It's fair. fair. We have very few plays that are sort of one look. Um, so that, you know, that factor could speak more to to the receivers that we have, maybe, and just their their ability. I, I liked how much we were rotating people. Uh, but, you know, you see guys still get gassed, and, and there's some conditioning things that will improve, like with Mims, just a super young guy. We got our one play of effort out of Rambo, uh, as usual, uh, for 18 yards. That's right in his, you know, average. We're going to get one 15-plus yard play out of him, and then he's going to be useless for the rest of the game. Um, so I, I think if you were to look at sort of our plays and I'll try to, you know, keep my answer short here, but I think that Stevenson, uh, especially, um, picked up some of those plays that maybe traditionally would have been like a Stogner play. So you have your, your receivers, you know, out there spreading the defense and and you give them the first look, but, um, you know, that's where you get that tight end release, uh, or, you know, a, a tight end play across the middle that you can take. And I think maybe when you go back and look at the game tapes, some of the backfield catches maybe accounted for that uh, tight end uh, threat. Absolutely. Hey, Jamison, I think you're accidentally muted. Oh, I'm, I've been staying muted just in case uh, Ivy and Douglas go crazy. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I'm doing that completely on purpose. Uh, I'm alone <laughs> here, so I don't have Ashley to wrangle them. Thank God they're asleep right now, but, you know. Yeah, that, <laughs> hey, that's here. okay. I've been kind of muting myself, too, because I just moved apartments, as both of y'all know, I think. Uh, and I'm right next to a dog park, and they just decided to get loud. But anyways. Yeah, programming note, I'm also dealing with Penny right now, so we might get some barks from me as well. So We're a pro-dog podcast. We love dogs, <laughs> particularly the scrappy ones. I think we can uh, quantify all y'all's dogs as scrappy ones. I have zero dogs, so none of them are scrappy. But overall, as an offense, I guess what would you give this a grade? If, uh, I'm talking like elementary school, A plus to F minus. Uh, just kind of quick off the top. Jameson? 
I'd say B plus. Uh, it'd be an A if there wasn't that drought in the second and third quarter. Um, I don't know how much of that was stellar OSU defense or that much was conservative play calls. The famous Lincoln putting his foot off the gas, um, keeping his good place for later. Uh, so I'll give it a B plus. B plus is really good there. I'm just going to give it an A minus just because it, it worked when it needed to. It was crisp. I really dislike whenever they kind of take it slow. I feel like that gets teams beat, especially the Syria team. But the defense was playing lights out, so I'll take it. Uh, so give me an A minus. I'll know you there. Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to back off and then get back on the gas. So that's definitely an issue that I think is very specifically a Lincoln Riley thing. Um, but I'm going to go with Bobby on an A minus. It was definitely, I think, an, an A performance. I mean, when you when you go out there and score as easily as you as we did uh, right at the start, I don't think uh, you know that it can be anything else because I I do think that you know the lack of scoring is a, a Lincoln and his play calling. It's just yeah. who he is. He's not going to blow people out. Absolutely. Uh, before I forget, before we move on, I, I I forgot to even bring this up. Offensive line, Jamison, were you impressed? Yeah, they they did all right. They they did not actually themselves give up a sack. Um, we had three sacks against us, and that was more so off of you know our H backs and running back slots. Uh, they, they could have done better. Uh, I wasn't too happy with them, but there's nothing too bad to say. You know, give them an average grade, move on. They they have better games ahead. Absolutely. Also, shout out uh, on my rewatch. Shout out to Drake Stoops for just running around a lot. Oh, yeah. That man, that man would, I swear, Lincoln was just having him go back and forth for no reason. It was incredible. Uh, I, I would love to see the mileage counter uh, of what he, what he actually ran in that entire night. Cause, um, and he was killing blocking too. A really good blocker. And you never expect that from, you know, little Drake Stoops. Like he gives effort, and that's what we need. That's especially what we need with Rambo out there too. Yeah, he's developed into a really top-notch, really tough-nosed uh, slot receiver. Love that. Love to see that. Uh, let's move on to our defense. Let's just get this started. Jamison – well, actually, let's go with Ty. I talked to Jamison. Uh, yeah. Ty, was this the performance of the year from the Sooners? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against, against the stats and what OSU had going for him. Uh, I can't decide – if the uh, if the defense on the field or the defense in the uh, north end of the uh, stadium was better, uh, but oh no, <laughs> we'll get into that later. We'll tap on that later. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was definitely up there, and I I know that Jameson is chomping at the bit uh, to talk about a specific player. So, uh, I don't know. If, I, I I'm not sure if we're going to talk about him yet because I want to talk about the good first. We're a positive podcast. No, I was talking about a good thing. Oh, are we talking about the D line? David Ugwebu, right? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> or as uh, or as no uh, Buki Buki watches no, 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 the high thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. What's pronunciation on the replay? Ugwebu. We used to call him David Ugwebu. We didn't understand. It was just a silent. Chris Fowler definitely called him Ugwebu on the replay. It was it was pretty funny. It's it's almost as bad as Calcutta. But uh, Jameson, <laughs> one of the like shining stars of the first season of Cruden Quarter, pulled up big and probably the play of the game with that uh, just massive. I mean, you can look at the replay if you want. You can dis- dispute it. You can dispute it if you want. 
That's an interception that is remarkable, tipping the ball, then catching it. Incredible stuff from David Aguebu. What do you I was say? so I was so happy to see him. He he got the start at middle linebacker. You know we've been shifting him more towards that with Deshaun White not doing as well, and we moved Deshaun White over to the will. And that was a great move. This is the best linebacking game I've seen from the Sooners thus far. It's been one of our weaker parts of our defense. It's kind of been a toss up. It's either the D backs or the linebackers been worse. Um, but now they looked awesome with Deshaun White at the, at the wheel. That's what he played uh, whenever he's next to K-9, whenever we thought he was going to do really well moving forward. And we're learning that this might be his spot. Um, and Uguaybu is the middle linebacker moving forward. He's got the athleticism to do it. I, I, honestly, great game from the linebackers. Um, there's nothing bad to say. And that play is just like the cherry on top. Absolutely. And, you know, again, Uguaybu, very solid performance. But you got to give a shout out as well to Nick Benito. Incredible performance, uh, pressuring uh, Spencer Sanders. Obviously, the, uh, the the shining star of the game is on the defensive line, but that doesn't happen without um, David uh, w- without David Igwebu as well as and Nick Benito. Um, we have we have a couple of Oklahoma State comments here. Hold on. Uh, Shout out Jay, Jamal James out here coming from a pr- proud OSU alumni. That was one of the best OU defensive games. Uh, and they were able to fly around, stop Hubbard and Wallace. I agree, Jamal. You, hey, you know, good defense right there. That was very aggressive, um, very nice defense from Oklahoma. So thank you for the uh, kind words about the defense. Um, but I think that's what, what it boiled down to on defense is it just, they just had this attitude about them. Uh, and that, that really all stemmed from uh, the defensive line. Ronnie Perkins, um, Perion Winfrey, and uh, Isaiah Thomas, all absolute beast up front. Uh, so, Ty, what, what, how crazy is it that we have a defensive line that is just this dominant after the years we've had of, honestly, mediocre D-line play? Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh... – it's pretty impressive for sure. And I think at this point you can't argue, um, you know, that that Perkins coming back has not been the single, maybe if you could point to one thing that really made a difference in OU season. Um, I think it would have to be, it would have to be him. And I know that's a whole nother conversation, but it is, it's super awesome. And it's like you said, this is, this is the game defensively that they're going to show and they're going to reference from here on out when we talk about speed D like the, the defensive play and, and just like, um, you know, like our, our commenter said, their ability to fly around uh, and, you know, shift themselves to what they needed to, to the play and to play smart, flexible, dynamic defense. Um, you know, that's what you're, you're thinking that you're getting when you start to sell that speed D. So it was super, super cool to, uh, to see. And, and I think the D line is the biggest part of that because there hasn't been a whole lot else that's changed you know, minus some, some personnel shifts, but yeah, him coming back in, in this D line getting locked on has been a, a night and day difference for OU defensively. I mean, he's just been absolutely unstoppable back there. Even when he's not getting the sack, not getting the tackle for loss, he's creating chaos. You got to love it. However, Jameson, you think the guy's NFL bound? That's, that's a good question. Um, he could definitely be a good, you know, second, third pick ceiling kind of guy right now. But if he keeps this up and he returns, he's a first-round pick. There's no doubt about it. The edge rusher is one of the most important, if not the most important, position in NFL. 
um, when it comes down to the defense. Um, that's why you see everyone flock to those. Joey Bosa got the big payday, the highest paid player in the NFL because he's an edge rusher. Um, it'd be it'd be stupid for Ronnie Perkins to not invest in himself and try to get that first round pick over the second and third round pick because the money discrepancy is so huge there. Um, the thing is, moving forward into next season, uh, who's he going to have next to him? And hopefully, will he have a really solid defensive line around him, make him look as good that he is this season? This game um, last Saturday, we saw Perry on Winfrey get the start, which we haven't seen in the past. We usually seen him not come out for a little while, which we've always wondered why, if it's an attitude thing or, or there's something in the locker room that we don't know. Um, and, you know, Benito could definitely come out. And I, I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas would leave, but, you know, if Isaiah Thomas stayed, Ronnie Perkins stayed, that's, that's a deadly um, defensive line moving forward. I'm pretty sure Perry on Winfrey will leave. Um, reports are saying that he just doesn't do school. He just does not care at all about college. He wants out. And that's probably what stems from him not getting as much playing time as, um, as we've given him in the beginning of games. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it would be good for Ronnie to come back. But if he gets like draft grades at the end of the season and continues to play like he is as a first-round pick, he'd be stupid to leave. But I think he needs to invest in himself. Absolutely. And that's one of the kind of more interesting things I saw in college is uh, one time Bob Stoops came and spoke to our sports media team and like kind of broke down how he breaks down um, a decision to leave as a uh, NFL draft prospect. And the biggest thing is, look, if you get if you have a chance to get top five money, you take that because that is the type of money that can sustain your family for years and years to come. That's the type of money you could retire on if you have a couple bad years in the NFL. So I, I imagine Lincoln probably gives a similar uh, presentation. Um, but I, again, like that is a big money position. Come back another year. Like you, you can get that at Oklahoma. You know, this is a defense that is, you know, well-touted, well, you know, uh, well-established now at this point. Um, we saw Kenneth Murray get a first round pick. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, so why not, why not try to get, uh, you know, top five sort of, you know, grade potentially. So we'll see, we'll see. But, uh, I gotta say these past couple games as impressive, as impressive as I've seen probably since Gerald McCoy at the uh, D line, uh, position at Oklahoma. Um, so with the good, there is also the bad and we got to turn our eye to the defensive backs and everyone knows it. It's Buki. Once again, causing mistakes, causing mishaps, getting penalties where they shouldn't. Ty, um, I'm just going to let you go on this one, man. I honestly, I don't even really have what. What were you guys expecting? Uh, honestly, we had a couple. We had a couple good weeks where there was nothing bad. Okay, and you, and you have to remember when simply not doing something bad is worthy of praise. The expectation is is that you're going to continually do bad things. So I'm not surprised. There's no need for a big monologue here. Um, he was 15th on the team uh, this game in tackles, you know, key player out there. Uh, and really the only notable thing is when he started screwing up, uh, Kirk Herbstreit was like, why is this guy a starter at a school like OU? Um, so if you want to, if you guys have it recorded, you should be able to, to go back. I don't have a timestamp for you, but it's in there. But yeah, that's, you know, that's our Buki chap. It's, it's OSU's first and only touchdown uh, was sprung by a Buki uh, 
I mean, just an unnecessary um, uh, personal foul, just laughing at a dude, talking crap. It's ridiculous. Jameson, what are your thoughts on Buki, uh, you know, going back to the, back to the old Buki? I, I feel like it's, it's, it's the Bugs Bunny with the gun meme all over he, again. He just kept pointing at him. I was like, put the finger down, Buki. Put it down. He kept, kept the finger up right at him. Like, oh, gosh. And then, like, it was a late flag, too. The ref was just like, I don't want to throw it. It's a rivalry game, you know. And he just kept holding it up, kept going, kept riding the line. The ref was like, finally, I was like, I, I can't let that one go. That was just too bad. And it was on a third down, too. That's, like, in the ref's instinct to not, like, be the guy to decide you know, I'm pushing you across the line into a first down. He doesn't want to be that guy. Um, all in all, Buki had a good game, you know, as a defensive back. He did decent on that end and good in coverage. Um, but that's just that's just not acceptable. That that play is essential to giving up a big pass. Um, 15 yards, especially, that is the difference between six or seven points and no, no points. So, I, honestly, inexcusable. And to go back to the Kirk Herbstreit point that Ty was talking about, it really does make you think Lincoln pulls him after that and then immediately puts him back into the game. What what does that do? It doesn't do anything, really. Uh, it, obviously, you haven't seen anything work when it comes down to Buki and learning how to um, corral his energy. Lincoln's press conference came out with today. They're like, how do you put that? And just, we love his energy, but that was too much. And he knows it's too much. He's a good team guy and he takes it in stride. Always does well with criticism. If he does well with criticism, you got to do something more. You you've got to yeah. do something more because you got to stop the plays. He he can be a contributor on us moving in the future, but you got to actually show something that he's actually getting punished rather than just taking him out like a little dog and then pushing him back out to play again. Yeah, it's just it's it's about like actually having your punishment fit, and I, I guess partially some of that is we immediately got scored on uh, after taking him out. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe I don't know, but. Still, come on, man! You you, you just gotta you, you gotta control yourself. When it's, and yeah, I I just it it's I I will never know what it's like to play main college football, of course. But I've never like even playing like middle school football or anything like that. I would never think to just like point at a dude for like forty five seconds. Yeah, that 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 just that's just blatantly going to get you in trouble. And and granted, look. Here's the thing. That's not even the most egregious thing that happened in this game. Uh, shout out to Ronnie Perkins for that fantastic, like, I don't know, little helmet tap thing he did yeah. to Chuba. I don't even know if he got flagged for it. No. Did <laughs> Chuba even play this game? I know we have OSU fans listening, so I don't want to. No, no. You know, oh. Hey, this yeah. is a Ooh, amazing, 44, 44 amazing yards, running carries. back. Eight carries, 44 yards. Woo! Tylen Wallace, four receptions, 68 yards. As I have to clarify this every time, you can roll tape backs. I've hated Chuba Hubbard since long before this became like a political thing, so don't think it's that. This guy is the most overrated player in the Big 12 besides that other overrated running back that plays for Kansas. Oh, God. (laughs) See, he's not good. He's Okay, like, people are like, oh, but he has amazing stats, but then he plays a team like OU or he plays like any other team with like, a pulse of a defense and he has less than 50 yards. Like that's not a good running back. Uh, I don't know about that. I, like I, that's like me saying that um, Mordecai is a good quarterback because he only has like three incompletions this year. 
I'm gonna. I'll, I'll. I'll actually believe Ty on this one. It's. It's a this year that Chuba has not been a good running back, and I think it's. I don't know if there's a want to in him to be a good running back. I don't think he has like the flair and the the fire behind him. One, his coaching situation obviously is shoddy, and there might be some some things behind the scenes. He's not too happy. Two, should he? Does he regret not going to the NFL draft last year? Should he have gone? You know. And then three, their offensive line is pitiful. So what makes Chuba have that flair to back up on, like, I really want to go out there and just go run through a brick wall for somebody? Because my, my O-line ain't helping me. My coach ain't helping me. Like, what, what's going to go on here? The only thing he has to back up on himself is his NFL draft. And as a running back, he's got to look after himself and make sure he doesn't get hurt because running back shelf lives are so low. So yeah. I don't see anything going forward with him to have any passion to be a hard runner. And you see it this season. Well, I mean, just – just talking about this Oklahoma State performance. They had two weeks to perform, uh, prepare for OU. Awful, awful coaching, honestly, uh, from Gundy. Oh. Absolutely just shell shock from the get-go. They looked exactly like you thought a meek Oklahoma State team would look like. That was just – it was a pathetic performance. Um, way too conservative, uh, you know, in the red zone. Um, did you, you just didn't see a spark from him. Uh, that one punt in on their own 37. Yeah, what was the, the barstool tweet on that one? What, what is it they said? The state of Oklahoma <laughs> they, they pays this man four million a year to, to do this. It's just, I mean, come on, where's the heart? If I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm furious. Gundy gets you where you need to go and like has taken this program to heights they've never seen before, but you want to see some spice. You want to see some energy. You want to see him at least just try to do something new. Just try to out Fox OU. You know, do something weird. But it just wasn't there for him this year. And yeah. you know, it, it just it just hadn't. I mean, you know, what, 2014 yeah. when they're when they're beating up on Cody Thomas? Congrats. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 2011 when you were like a way better team. But other than that, like what where's it been for Mike Gundy? Where's it been for Oklahoma State? Like that OU just mentally has an edge on them where they just do whatever they want. And it's incredible. And I love it. But as an Oklahoma state, if you were an Oklahoma state fan, you'd be furious. Um, so that's, yeah. that's all I got to say about that. Uh, the, just the mental edge there. It's um, it's tough. Let's kind of pivot on to our defensive game ball. I'm sorry, Ty. If I, I actually, I want, do you have, do you actually, have a spice? No, I have a, I, it's, it's worth. Yeah. Yes, uh, it, is. After it the, is. After the game, uh, Katie referred to Mike Gundy as the um, oh my god no I forgot his name. Well, okay, it was funny. <laughs> I was a like, Michigan uh, coach, sir, sir, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, the, Jim Harbaugh, the Big Twelve. Uh, and that's a yikes burger right there. That's, that's a huge yikes burger. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It would have well, been uh, funnier had I just gone right through it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I was like, God. me, sir, sir. And Bobby's like, that's that pivot. And <laughs> wait, we got something great. And then, and then, and then he fumbled here. it. He yeah. fumbled uh, it back. I, I got a Mike Gundy. I, I will I will say I, I did get a I did get a message from uh, uh from a family member of mine who's a big Oklahoma State fan. He said, the only reason you guys won the game yesterday is because you had superior players combined with better coaches. Anyone can do that. Wait till let until next year. <laughs> wait, wait until next year when we get Les Miles. <laughs> oh god, it's gonna be worse. 
have we not seen that it's going to be so much worse? I, I know hey. Kansas is a disaster. Anyways. No, here we go. Jamal, here Jamal, we go. Jamal said another comment. He said Gundy Ooh. needs to be fired this year. I've been calling for his job for the last five yeah, years. No, I, 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 agree. I have nothing bad to say about that comment because you know what do you expect him to do um, whenever he's getting these horrible, horrible athletes every single year? He's an embarrassment of a recruiter. Well, um, yeah, he, he's and he, he's he does everything else. For recruiting bad. going forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State had Oklahoma State had like cool facilities for like three years, and then everyone caught I, up. And, and I want to I want to say this in like the most respectful way possible, and I think this kind of you know wraps up what we're all saying. This is Mike Gundy's ceiling. Mike Gundy's ceiling is being a decent top twenty five team. It's still always going to lose to OU and always going to lose to Texas, and probably going to drop another game to someone else in conference. Like their their ceiling is not any greater than that i don't think under under mike gundy which well, is why a- they should hire mike stoops <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> with that with that they should hire tom herman <laughs> oh no <laughs> with that let's pivot to our defensive game ball um i'm just gonna give it to the easy one it's ronnie perkins defensive player of the week for the big 12 or two games i don't care but the man created havoc back there incredible player absolutely dominant and honestly has a uh, really serious case to be the best player on OU's roster this year. I I, I think you could really make that argument. Uh, Ty, who's got your game ball for? The oh defense? no, James is getting me mad. You called me before, maybe, but mine is. And I, I promise, I'm not just cherry picking from the top of the the, um, the box score here. But it's Woody Washington. He was a freshman. Woody was great. Mm-hmm. Eight tackles, six solo tackles as a freshman cornerback in a big rivalry game and stuff and and then that pressure that was awesome to see he's getting mine jameson i'll go with ronnie perkins i want to give it to guaybu but you know the interception was great uh that was one good play and he had he was solid for the rest of the game but ronnie perkins was a monster he was the reason that our defensive backs looked somewhat okay versus team spencer sanders had no time to get the ball to them all they could do um, was throw up deep balls and just hope for pass interferences, which worked sometimes. But that's what that's what happens when you have a good pass rush. You can't let receivers run their routes, and the only best thing they can do is know the guys that like Trey Brown doesn't turn his head when they throw a deep ball and just hope for the pass interference. That's really it's just a hope. It's not anything other than that. Yeah, that really says a lot, but. All right, that's all we have for the game itself. But uh, as anyone following on uh, Twitter knows, there's a lot of extracurriculars going around, uh, particularly uh, surrounding an incident that happened after a field goal Oklahoma State hit. As everyone knows who's an OU fan, uh, there's a tradition where you take the ball and try to chuck it out of the stadium after a field goal is made or missed. Um, And... It appears like some chicanery went down here uh, as Oklahoma State planted a student manager in the stands. Uh, I guess there was a, 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 a tossle for the ball, and he ended up breaking his ribs. I was really worried. I honestly wasn't even considering talking about this because I feel, felt like this would get us fully canceled. And it still might. It still very well might. <laughs> I don't know. Good point. Like canceled before he even got like off the ground, you know, but anyways, so a lot of discourse has been going on about, is this too much? What's going on with OU fans? 
a lot of pretty dumb OU fans are defending the people who accidentally broke this guy's ribs. A lot of Oklahoma State fans are trying to act like they're, I don't know, moral, like morally <laughs> superior to all of us, as they've the never done, as they've never done anything to any anyone ever. Not throwing anything. Not n- nope. They wouldn't do nothing. They're just kind little folks up in Stillwater, just trying to get some biscuits and uh, cinnamon rolls at Granny's Kitchen in the morning. They don't want to hurt nobody. Let's just throw it out. Look, OSU was ridiculous for sending someone up in the stands for that. Uh, the guy was ridiculous for wanting to jostle up like he's trying to get a, a, a I don't know. It, it looked like a, a hail mary up for him. He was ridiculous to get in that scrum. And OU fans were ridiculous for creating the scrum. They're all idiots involved here. Everyone's a moron. Nobody was on the right. It's stupid that we're having this conversation. So get off your damn high horse if you're an Oklahoma State fan and admit that someone wearing crimson was wrong if you're a gooner. It's gooner gold. It's OSU fans acting righteous. It's a total, total mess, and I hate it. Jameson, I'll let you start on this. It, it's really, it, it's, it's just so great. Like you alluded to it. You get the two sides. You get the Gooners like, this is our tradition. We throw the ball out of the stadium. Don't take away my tradition. We've been doing that for, what, like eight years, you know, nine, ten years. Not that long. It's not really that much of a tradition. I it, I, I remember games where we didn't do that, you know. Um, I remember the people that were happy to throw it back onto the field um, whenever I was a kid. It's not been that long of a tradition, so don't act like this is something that's taking away your rights. Quit. That's just that's just Oklahoma for you. Um, but but moving on, it, there's then there's people on social media that think like like how dare he like break his rib. Um, who knows if this guy's just jumping to the bleachers broke his rib. Maybe he just overdid it. You know, ribs break. Drew Brees broke, like, what, like 11 ribs recently. Like, it happens. <laughs> and they recover from. I probably broke, broke a rib falling off the boat this summer. You know, it's it's just happens. You move on from them. Like, you know, like, broken ribs are very easy to heal, and you don't do anything about it. There's not any kind of, like, medical treatment that they need to pay for. There's no suing there. You just, it's like a bruise. So stop, just really stop. More than, just watch the video. It's not like, it's not like a bunch of OU fans were just wailing on him or anything. Yeah. He he just jumped up for this and they were kind of like tussling for the ball. It was jackpot. It was jackpot. They went for the jackpot. And what do you know? I want the ball. You want the ball. I've got alcohol in my system. The college kid who's on the, um, the equipment manager is trying to make a name for himself. He's being a tryhard for his job. And he's taking it way too seriously. There's some people that are saying on Twitter, saying before that he was ripping balls out of people's hands before they could throw them, just like, and then talking trash to them after he did it. He he had a bad attitude. That probably the people that were like like going for the ball um, whenever he got hurt didn't know he was doing that. But that just shows you that this guy had some flair and was going all out for whatever he was doing. It was it was a total joke on all ends. It, it, it is an embarrassment all ends. Ty, I'm sure you have some sort of spicy yeah, take. Yeah, no, so I, I want to preface I want to preface my I'm gonna continue to say this the whole time, but there's no excuse for, for that. Uh for for anyone. Um, you know, our fans should not have have acted the way that they did. Uh it was for sure gooners. It's only gooners that sit there. Um a lot of them were literal children, uh, which is kind of embarrassing on multiple levels. One that parents are allowing their kids to get into brawls uh, into the 
a grown ass adult got their rib broken probably by a child. Um, but yeah, there's, but it, it, you know, all joking aside there, there's, there's no excuse for that behavior. Uh, but there, and, and I'm not trying to say this to excuse OU fans or, or the, specifically the fans involved. Cause you know, it, it's not everyone, but I'm not trying to excuse their actions, but there were several things that had to go wrong for this to occur in the first place. One, we pay thousands and thousands of dollars for there to be event staff and security there. And if you watch that video of the fight, there are as many security personnel standing there with their hands in their pockets, not doing anything to stop it, as there are people involved in the scrum. That is a disgrace. That should be, you know, some sort of like there there is a, a definite level of responsibility on those individuals who are hired for a job and did not do it when it came down to it. Um, and again, that doesn't excuse what, what the OU fans did. But ultimately, and I would be saying this if it was completely reversed and it, it was OU, a deliberate decision was made by some sort of leadership in the OSU athletic department to put a lone student equipment manager in the middle of a bunch of drunken fans at a nighttime rivalry game, all alone with the specific purpose of trying to take the football away from people that he knew were going to be rowdy, that he knew were going to be drinking, and that he knew were not going to take favorably to an OSU person up there trying to do that. That is an absolute leadership failure, and those people should be embarrassed. Not embarrassed, because I understand. It's a rivalry game. They want to mess with what they think our tradition is. That's fine. But don't commit your people to a losing fight. They committed that kid knowing the risks and did not put their people in a position to, to win if it came down to it. And it came down to it. And now they got a kid with a broken rib. And there's definitely people that are going to be held accountable. And it was inexcusable, but it's on them. They are, you know, we're in charge of that person. That's what leadership is. You can't make the decision to send somebody out in a shitty situation. And then when they pay the price for it, you just sit there and go, oh, well, I guess I learned. That's, you're a shitty leader. And they're, and they're bad at their jobs. And, you know, oh, we'll, we'll see if we're going to say their names out later. But, yeah. And then, it, and again, that, it, that doesn't excuse the people that, that actually assaulted him. Uh, but, yeah, in conclusion, I've broken a rib before, too. It's not that bad. It's, not, it's yeah. literally, it's like a bruise. I've had bruises yeah. that have hurt worse than when I broke a rib. So the, the big thing is you don't want it to puncture your lung, but I mean, if they would have said, came out and said there was a punctured oh, lung yeah. rather than a broken rib, you know, when it comes out broken rib, it's, it's a, a rib bruise, you know, like it's cracked a little bit. It's going to heal on its own. You know, I'll say this, um, like with one more thing before we move on and just talk about West Virginia, uh, this, he did not have it coming. This equipment manager did not have it coming. Yeah, he no. had every, every single right to be out there, but this is like, like, you know, OSU sending a person on their staff out to the end of Bourbon Street down a dark alley at 11 like p.m. at night and saying, like, good luck. You know, like like he did not he does not deserve to get mugged, but he's probably going to, you know, like it's, it's just what I just you don't put yourself in a high risk situation. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. But he did not deserve it. Um, but that was just a stupid decision. Uh, I, yeah, no, and I, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that he deserved it. Either. I know. I'm saying. They should have known that that could have happened and they should have thought about how they were going to protect their people if they were going to put them in that situation and they didn't. Well, the reasonable, the reasonable directive is be like, hey, try to get the ball if it's there. If not, you know, we'll have someone there to catch if, it. If but they just wanted the ball, they knew about the tradition. That's why he was in the stands and not down below the net. 
if they just wanted the ball, they would have had him out on the back end of the stadium. They know where it lands every time. They deliberately wanted to mess with that, you know, whether it's a tradition or not. They wanted to interfere with that yeah. and did it in a manner that risked their people's health. And, and that's unacceptable. Well, I agree. And, you know, again, just tell them like, hey, the ball's there, get it. If not, we'll have someone catch it. Uh, don't tell them to like be DeAndre Hopkins out here with a bunch of drunkards and try to hop over them all. Like uh, when, when I first heard about the incident, I thought he was running down the feet, like running down the steps and some drunk ailbilly tackle. Like shove them. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was in the mix already. Like he's trying to dehop them. And that's just, that's just a bad idea. That's just a bad idea in general. Obviously, if it just OU fans chill the hell out, obviously the same with the like equipment manager. That was just a stupid directive. But um, all in all, embarrassing, embarrassing across all um, across the board. But let's not act like I don't know. Let's not act like like this isn't like there's like a victim here. There are a lot of idiots here. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching this right now, actually. And at one point, there are literal Boy Scouts that try to do more to stop this fight than <laughs> our hired security. The yellow coat. Like, I'm not joking. You guys can go watch. There's, a, I did there's like that. an adult Boy Scout person and then like a little one in a jacket. And he's the, the, <laughs> the kid. The Boy Scout kid is the only one that gets in there. And then the adult feels committed, I guess, because oh. the other one is. And the CSC people are just chilling. An embarrassment. I have seen a better reaction from the security staff when people vape <laughs> in the student section than I have from an actual like fight that resulted in people going to the doctors. An embarrassment on all fronts. An embarrassment on all fronts. That's a, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, a meme coming later. I mean, OU security when someone vapes in the stadium, (laughs) OU security when there's a fight in the stadium. Well, I I mean, look, if anyone listens to this, I'm sure someone will give us flack for not taking, this is unacceptable. We need to be I said it like five times and I said, (laughs) I believe it. Not my own ass. Yeah. Because we're being rational. It is unacceptable. It's a, it's horrible behavior from these OU fans, but let's not act like it's not hilarious. Kind of. Uh, and well, I'm, kind I, of, and I'm, well, it's not even that funny. It's just an embarrassment on all fronts. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying fans. that. Yeah. And I'm not saying it to excuse it. And I know no one that's, is going to be in these positions to make decisions is listening probably, but we can't say that this was only a failure on the fan Cause this would have happened in hundreds of other stadiums. There, there were multiple points of failure that led to this. And if we want to really think about how we're going to make this not happen again, uh, we got to look at all the things that led up to it because it was not a single event or a, you know, a single point of failure. It was a, it was a chain of events. Yeah. I will say before we move on, Favorite tweet on the entire situation was uh, from L.A. Sooner, who said, I remember, oh, what was it? An OU fan once ripped the nuts off a UT fan, so I actually consider this personal growth. That actually happened in, like, 2007. (laughs) It was, like, some trashy, like, honestly, I think it was a Henry Hudson's. It was a Henry Hudson (laughs) memorial. No. (laughs) That really happened. It was really a dispute. Uh, So, again, personal growth. I really thought that that was more of a metaphorical statement when I saw that. One time a Nebraska player punched a roughneck. That was fun. It was like 2004. Uh, Anyways, let's move on to West Virginia. Wouldn't have happened if he had a gun. (laughs) Oh, no. All right, let's really move on to West Virginia. All right, so the Mountaineers come into this game. I don't know what to think of them still. They've been improving over this. Jameson is just done. Look, 
They, the Mountaineers have been improving over the season, but really, I still don't know what to think of them. They have Jarrett Dagey, who I think is, you know, Jarrett Dagey, sure. I know how to pronounce his name. I'm just saying that. His, his name's now, I'm just calling him Jarrett Doge. So Jarrett Doge over here, solid, solid quarterback here and there. He does what he needs to do, whatever. I'm not, he, he, he's not going to beat you, but he's not going to beat himself. Um, but really, they're led by Letty Brown, very solid running back. Um, and a here we go again, another number one defense in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia has been putting up numbers against everyone they played. Unfortunately, they haven't played OU or Iowa State, so take take what you may from that. Um, overall, middle of the road team. I don't think they're harmless, but I'm not going to exactly call them like a threat, you know. Uh, so, Jameson, going into this, are you? What are you looking forward to uh, from the Sooners in Morgantown on our last road game of the season? And uh, on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about the Mountaineers? Um, I'd say I'm about a five worried. Uh, the way we're playing right now is really hard to beat uh, because we're just across the board just playing great on our best game. The thing to watch for in this game is our offensive line versus Oklahoma State's D line. We kind of got beat up a little bit. It was all right, like I said, but there's obvious some moments where they were stopping our run pretty solid, um, and they're giving some good, decent pressure to our quarterbacks. Now, the Stills brothers for West Virginia, those are the big two names that everybody knows about when it comes down to West Virginia. Um, seeing them versus our offensive line is going to be really big um, moving forward, um, and if, if they can get through and, and impact us. But the, the, the thing is, we also got to remember that they also got a guy named Arkeen Mesador that's really, really good, too. It's always flashes the, the games that I've watched. He has five sacks on the season. Um, that's also on that defensive line. So they've got they've got some problems on the defensive line. So let's see if our big men up front can show out. Absolutely. It's uh, going to be a ga- an, another game that uh, will be decided in the trenches and um, got to show out. Ty, thoughts on the West Virginia Mountaineers? I know you have a buddy out there. I don't know if you have any intel on them or not, but... Uh, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, there's we- nothing really super notable about, oh, about yeah. them this year. They're the most middle-of-the-road team out there, but uh, any thoughts on West Virginia? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is uh, we've seen two very different West Virginia teams this year. I, I know I've mentioned that almost every time I've, I've talked about them. Um, I don't think that either one of those teams um, can really beat the OU team that we have right now, uh, but there is something to, to keep in mind. Uh, we are traveling there. Um, in West Virginia, I know they have not beat us in the Big 12, and, you know, some of the games haven't even been close, but West Virginia always cares a lot about this game. They are, they're not going to come in like Oklahoma State did last week. Uh, they come in wanting to win and, and really passionate about this game for uh, whatever reason. So I, I have a feeling, I don't know what's going to happen coaching-wise and schematically, but the players are going to give it their best shot. I, I would not expect this team to come in flat, and I just hope there's not a hangover uh, with OU coming off this really big uh, rivalry win. Yeah, I, it's it's always a concern going into Morgantown for me. Um, Neil Brown, solid coach. They just haven't – he hasn't gotten his system there really rolling in uh, Morgantown yet. The team's improved as everything's gone on. But uh, overall, if OU plays their game, if we see the Oklahoma we've seen since Texas, I think the Sooners are going to be just fine. But if you look at the series, it's always been close. Uh well, except for 2016, that was kind of a 
beat down. But anyways, they um, still they were still really passionate about it though. Even even then, they were the passionate players themselves. Incredibly passionate in defeat. They 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 did. They, <laughs> West Virginia does a lot of jawing. They might not lose. Uh, or sorry, they might not win. They've never beaten OU uh, as a member of the Big Twelve. Uh, but they do a lot of jawing. They love to jaw. There will be there will be shoving, um, in in you know words. Well, our freaking team is going to try to say words to people the whole time, uh, but there will be shoving and, and stuff coming at us uh, for sure. Yeah, um, and the Sooners, I might add, uh, almost a lock to be wearing the or the cream Rough Riders for this, as they have every trip to Morgantown since two thousand and I believe twelve. So. Do we think uh, uh, just to speculate? Do do we think we're going to see the um, black, the black accented helmets potentially? The black stripes. Um, I don't know if they'd be so bold to do that again. Honestly, after right. after the K State loss, nah, I, I don't see that. But I don't know. Well, I mean, not from you guys, but they were warned. I yeah. mean, they, they, okay, okay, all right. Let's move on. West Virginia doesn't get a big recap, but nobody really does anyways. So any West Virginia fans who find this, don't get mad at us. All right. We're very if you're a West Virginia fan and you're listening to this, uh, go back and watch the weekend spread. That's where we talk about them most. We all three have been pretty complimentary, I think, about West Virginia, especially with the performance that they've done this year. So uh, I, we're I'm very high on West Virginia. I'm Honestly. a big, big West Virginia fan. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jameson, I'm sure you have something for us. Do you? Indeed. Of course, <laughs> of course I do. Well, I guess I'll hit the music then. Jamison. Yes. What is this? Jamison. This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was an interesting week for the Sanders because we got a couple of uh, targets on campus to watch the game, uh, one of them being Bryce Foster, the uh, five-star offensive guard from Texas. Uh, we did not expect him to come in. He kind of just showed up, and it seemed like he wanted to be secretive about it. But it's kind of hard to whenever you're the mountain and you're on campus and Gunnar's going to recognize you. So that got out pretty quick. Um, one man that was uh, people knew that were coming in was Remington Strickland, who is – also out of Texas, and he is a more recent offer at the offensive line position. He is a take. Um, he would be an offensive guard slash center position moving forward. Um, it seems like he's leaning towards OU. Um, there's really no buzz on when he would pick a team um, to commit to moving forward, but Remington Strickland as an offensive guard is a name moving forward. He would not be taking any of the offensive lineman spots. He is not like a backup like if we didn't get Tristan Lee, if we didn't get Savion Bird, if we didn't get Bryce Foster, we'd still take Strickland moving forward um, due to uh, probably uh, EJ and Domo Ogar um, hitting the transfer portal and going to Missouri. And then one last thing about Savion Bird, I just, I guess, is a whole recruiting, um, recruiting corner for uh, offensive line. Uh, Savion Bird did announce that he's going to um, announce his commitment on uh, early signing day in December. So him and Bryce Foster will announce at that time. 
Both are still leaning towards Oklahoma, but Savion Bird, you're going to have to watch out for LSU as being the number two there. And then with Bryce Foster watching out for Texas A&M and Oregon, Texas A&M being a close second due to his strong family ties there. But Oklahoma at this, at this point um, leads for both of them. So hopefully we can finish it off here in the next month um, moving forward. But other than that, there's nothing else. And that's the end of Cruton Corner. Absolutely. Well, hey, solid developments. I'm very interested in Foster for sure. Uh, the man is a guy we need to get into beating bow. That is a first round pick right there. So would love to have him uh, on board for sure. Um, anyways, well, I think that's all we got for this week. Um, Jam packed 55 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening to us on your way to Thanksgiving or uh, just at home hanging out. Thank you so much for listening and uh, hope you all have a really good Thanksgiving out there. Um, now here's the time of the show where I uh, futilely ask y'all if y'all want to uh, add anything before we go. Ty? I was no. on mute. Uh, no, I think, uh, <laughs> I think we covered, we covered a lot of stuff. We, we took a lot of time. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening and uh, here comes the best part of the week. Uh, coming up whenever you guys hear it, the uh, weekend's oh, We rest. did get a comment real quick from somebody. I don't know who this is. Is why would you blame OU for the Cowboys messing with tradition? Bobby, you want to take that? I got to go take Ivy out right now. So <laughs> okay, yeah, hey, that's all good. Uh, why would I? Blame oh, gonna wrap. Why would I blame just, OU? We for should that? just wrap it up. <laughs> I I don't blame OU for it. I'm just saying, like. Don't take it so seriously, folks. It's a football. It, it, it it's, not, it's not a long time. Is it directed at one of us specifically, or is it just everyone? It, no. It's since 2000, folks. Like, yeah, it's, on, it's not been that long of a tradition. And like we said, we're not blaming anybody. We're just saying this is a bad situation all and for all. There's no blame. In America, we like to say this is a winner and this is a loser. There doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in the situation because both sides are losers. Okay? End of story. Uh, all right, uh, I'm going to take it Here's the thing. You can blame OSU for it. You can just yell at him and be like, look at this dweeb. He took our, he like, let us have our fun. You can talk, you can talk shit on him. You can make fun of him, but don't, don't get physical. That's all I'm saying. Don't get physical, but that's all we have for uh, this week's Gooder Pod. Thanks for listening. We will see you in a couple days when we release our weekend spread picks. And if you're listening live, Hey, they're coming right up folks. So, um, <laughs> with that being said, have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And uh, Boomer Sooner. <laughs>